and Shabbat Shalom. Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We are fully thrust into the Moedim. And as the sun goes down tonight, we begin Yom Kippur, the day of Yahweh, that time of introspection, introspection. And many people have reached out um, through Shabbat Fellowship and just the community asking, well, how do we celebrate Yom Kippur in Yahusha? And my answer to that very succinctly, very swiftly, is read the book of Hebrews. We have a greater mediator than Moshe Rabbeinu, who intercedes for us daily. And I was just reading the book of Leviticus this week and just seeing just how difficult and how hard and how much there was to do even with the unintentional sins, unintentional sins, that what a man or a woman would have to go through, the slaughter and the the shedding of blood, just to be able to be able to approach Yahuwah again. And that oftentimes would include a week of separation, mikvah, immersion, so much, and that's unintentional sins. And I look at myself, what about the high-handed sins? The high-handed sins, for we have all fallen short of the glory of Yahuwah. And Paul says, O wretched man am I! What do I find? I find this law within myself and this wretched body of death. What do we do with that? Well, back in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, you would have to wait for the whole year in trepidation. Are you going to be struck down? What happens if you were to die? I mean, before Yom Kippur. You wouldn't even, you had no assurity, no mediation, because for the high-handed sin, that you had to wait for Yom Kippur. And the Kohen Haggadah would go in, into the inner, inner chamber, and you would just pray and hope that he was able to come out and do the ironic blessing over you and over I, to know that your sins were covered, not atoned in completion, keporah, for just that year. And he had to go back again and again and again. And the writer to the book in the book of Hebrews tells us that now, through the Malkitzedic priesthood, there is a transference. So how do we celebrate Yom Kippur? It is still a time to look not only at that unintentional sins, but the high-handed sins where we know what we did, and we fell into sin and temptation. And it is a time to repent and to be thankful that we have the rachamin, the mercy. And this is a time to plea. Are you going to plea guilty? Are you going to plea non-guilty? What I tell you what I plea, I plea the blood of the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of of the world. That is the only plea for me, and it should be the only plea for you. So tonight at sundown, it is a time of reflection. It's also a time of celebration because we do have a mediator who is much greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, who intercedes for us daily. But there is a balance between realizing, like Rav Shaliak Shaul said, that you struggle with this body of death 
and I find a law that is present within my members. We have to balance that and grace, rachamin, with also the admonition and the warning in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 and 26, and never, ever count the blood of the new covenant, the Brit Hadashah, a common thing, because otherwise we could be liable for trampling under the blood, upon the blood of Mashiach and counting it as a common thing, and then that would bring us into judgment. So we need to balance that, and that's a responsibility of conviction, repentance, and then returning back to Yahuwah to walk in his commandments through the indwelling power of the Ruach HaKodesh. So join us tonight as we go into Yom Kippur, and tomorrow you can go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and we will be meeting tomorrow i believe 11 pacific standard time um, for our connects on zoom to celebrate yom kippur and have fellowship tomorrow and then we're preparing to go into the feast of tabernacle sukkot 2021 and there's still time for you to register by going to the connect page on torah to the tribes and we have got i believe a full house um, when it comes to the cabins, but we're still making accommodations. There is a hotel just a couple of miles down the road as well, and there are RV tent sites still available. So anyway, hope that those of you that are still considering coming and making it to Oregon will do so. What a week, what a week. I got a telephone call from a brother who remained nameless, who fled from Florida because of anticipation of the possible scenario of the volcano blowing up. So many things going on in the world. I just don't know what to make of it. So I'm happy today to be in the last chapter of Masesh Lechim, the Acts of the Apostles, the 29th chapter, and this is part two. Now, you see, my wife, bless her, is my biggest critic, and I'm thankful for that because it keeps me um, on the straight and narrow. She helps keep me on the straight and narrow. Um, but I tell you what, she, I came home after teaching last Shabbat, and my wife's like, I don't know, this Acts 20, how do you know that? So, I don't know, did you just make that up? I mean, really, 20, I mean, you really think that Paul went, went to Britain I mean, how do you know that? How, how, how do you know that? Well, I'll tell you how, not only Rav Shaliak Shaul, I think Peter was there, I think Yahushua was there, and I think Joseph of Arimathea was the one that got them all there. So let's dig in, and I'll give you some history to back up why I think the way I think. And maybe you'll agree with me too. And while you're here, give us some thumbs up, would you? And if you disagree then you can give us some thumbs down and just leave a nice little comment in the comment section on why you would disagree that Rav Shaliak Shaul wasn't in Britain, that Peter Shimon Kiefer wasn't in Britain, that Joseph Arimathea wasn't in Britain, and why Yahushua wasn't in Britain, because I believe that they were, and let me now lay out why I believe such a thing as that. Now, Peter in Britain, the Greek historian, now this is quite a name and mouthful, I'm not sure if I can even pronounce it. Let's give it a go. Metapirates, Metapirates, he reports this, quote, 
that Peter was a long time in Britain where he converted many nations to the faith. Now, that comes from page 45 um, from the Antiquities Apostolicae. Okay? Now, the apostle of Yahushua, Shimon Kepha, who also had trials and tribulations where he made mistakes and wrestled with his flesh. Peter was in Britain. So who was in Rome? Because the papal doctrine would tell us that Peter was in Rome, right? Well, Peter wasn't in Rome. It was another. It was another. Peter of Rome is different than Peter who went to Britain. Because the Peter who was in Rome was in fact Simon. A different Simon. Not Shimon Kepha, but Shimon Magnus. Shimon Magnus from Acts chapter 8. That's the Shimon Peter that was in Rome. Shimon Magnus. And now you can start to see the dichotomy and the breakup between the papal bull and the authentic Nazarene faith. Because what started in Rome was actually at the hands of a different Shimon. There's a different Yahushua and there's a different Shimon. It was Simon Magnus in Acts chapter 8. He was the leading conspirator in the plot to assassinate and take over the apostleship and the apostolate. And he was the one that went about and established a Gentile church in Rome that, of course, in 325 in the Common Era got cemented in at the Council of Nicaea. Now, of course, Shimon from Magnus, Simon Magnus, was birthed from the assassin squads that would roam around in Judea at the time of Yahushua, the Iscariot, right? The Sicari, the Sicari, which is where we get Iscariot, the Sicari, the short daggers that they would keep in their robes. They were the assassins. And of course, he was birthed from this assassin squad, none other than his co-conspirator, Iscariot. Now, this is the foundation of the Catholic Church that many don't realize. I can't remember which teaching it was because it was many, many years ago, and some of you are much better in the archives than I. But I taught that it was, in fact, Joseph of Arimathea who was the uncle of the Virgin Mary. He was Yahushua's great uncle. Now, what's interesting is the word Arimathea, it actually comes from Ramah. Ramah, as in the modern town, Ramallah. Ramallah, as a city that we are known and know today. It was the birthplace, of course, of the prophet Samuel. And it is called in the Septuagint, Arimathean. Arimathean. So Josephus, he actually calls it um, Armatha, Armatha, and it's about eight miles due north of Jerusalem on the Jerusalem Nazareth Road. So language 
does evolve. I don't believe in evolution, but language does over time. It changes. You can just, you know, the difference between the King Jimmy and the new King James, you can just see how language evolves over time. Now, the word that we use, Barat Anat, that is a Phoenician name for Britain, Barat Anat. And it was considered by 17th century scholars to be the Phoenician name for Britain in Old English, and it was referred to as the Tin Islands. You see, there's a whole history that people don't want us to know, because he who writes the history controls the masses, okay? And that's what we need to look and discover as we go through this final, final portion of the book of Acts. Because what Rav Shaliak Shaul was up against throughout the whole of the book of the Acts, those that were conspiring to shut him up, those that were conspiring to imprison him and to slay him, he broke free of the restrictions, he, re he broke free of that top-down controlled environment of which initially he was the ringleader of. And once he broke free of that, and he had the revelation of Yahushua HaMashiach, like many of us, we are able to break free of the chains of this system. And it only comes through the revelation of Yahushua HaMashiach. You start to see the governments of this world for what they are. You start to see the top-down leadership as it is. And Yahushua is a bottom-up person. He takes the lowly and builds us up. And that is why the Nicolaitan pyramidal system is crumbling and cracking right in our day. And Rav Shaliak Shaul was set free from the mouth of the lion, Rome, and he broke free over into the British Isles, where Jeremiah the prophet had already laid ground and seasoned the ground before him. And this today is where we're going to go, because I am an Englishman at heart. You can get me out of England, but you can't get the Englishman out of me. In fact, my wife and children were laughing at me the other day because I went outside and on our front porch, I said, who left some sweeties on the, on the front porch here? There's all sticky sweetie stuff. And they just started laughing at me, you know? And it's just like, well, it was candy, right? Anyway, sweeties. So Joseph of Arimathea, I believe, was the Shaliak, the apostle, the called out one to Britain. Why? Because Yosef of Arimathea ran the tin trade between England and the whole Mediterranean area. He had a great fleet of ships, and he was the minister of mines for the Roman Empire. When people read the New Testament, they forget the actual background. It is a royal dominion, and there is a dichotomy between the forced um, kingdom of Herod and the true kingdom that Yahushua was bringing because he was of a royal line as well. Hence why he was buried in a very expensive tomb. Hence why Paul was able to travel all over Europe. This would have cost a absolute small fortune. How? 
because this was all connected to a royal priestly line from which Yahusha, of course, was born. So Joseph Arimathea, that's a lot for me to say in the 21st century. It's not something that just rolls off of your tongue when you're off at going to 7-Eleven. Yes, I'd like to get some Arimathea. I mean, it, you just, it, okay, so just forgive me, okay? No, he was working, of course, in the tin trade. Now, Britain is the tin islands. It's full of a bunch of tin. Of course, the British mines mainly supplied, I believe, of course, I'm biased, the glorious adornment of Solomon's temple. Now, as Yahusha's great uncle, Joseph of Arimathea became Yahusha's guardian. Guardian. Now, if you look up in Matthew 1 and 2 and you look in the Aramaic, it's that he was his guardian by law as next of kin. So when Mary's husband, Yosef, died in early life when Yahushua was a small boy, then Joseph of Arimathea took Yahushua with him on his journeys to England, and where in particular? None other than Glastonbury. Now many of you, especially if you're from England, you know what goes on in Glastonbury today. It's a den of iniquity. Annually, they have Glastonbury Festival. It, it's like Woodstock on steroids. It's a den of iniquity. Why did they particularly choose that area? I'll tell you why. Because they are trying to cover up the light that truly is there by the darkness and depravity of this world. That's always the way that it is. But we need to shine the light to a dark and dying world. Now, the archaeologist and Bible scholar... E. Raymond Capt in his book, The Traditions of Glastonbury, quotes several ancient historians as evidence that Joseph of Arimathea and his associates were the first to bring the gospel message, the Besorar of Isaiah the prophet, to Britain in 37 of the Common Era. So that's a lot earlier than that they would have you believe. But remember, many of our history traditions come from rooted in the council of the Nicene creature that was created, okay? Which is a top-down governmental religious control system. The place we know as Avalon, which, if you're from England, King Arthur's Avalon, is, of course, Glastonbury. And why, again, do you think that they assemble demons there annually to conjure up the iniquitous works of the devil, which they do each and every year in Britain's largest worship festival? It's a worship festival to Lucifer done annually at the very place. Why? You need to read some of Reverend Lionel Smithit Lewis's findings. He happened to be the, the vicar in Glastonbury, at the church there in Glastonbury, because it was at this location that the first Nazarene assembly was built above ground. The Nazarene religion began in Britain within 50 years of Mashiach Yahusha's ascension. 
That's pretty remarkable. Now, King Arthur was a relative of Joseph of Arimathea, and that the knights of King Arthur's round table were also all of Joseph's relatives. You see how this stuff comes down in history, but then they turn it into a bloody fairy tale, right? Because the Bible's a fairy tale according to the heathen, right? It's just a fairy tale, absolute nonsense. What they're doing today, that's a fairy tale. It's an absolute falsehood. Now, Roman Emperor Claudius, he took up the war against England that Julius Caesar began in 53 before the Common Era. Why do you think that the Romans were so blooming intent on subjecting the British Isles? Why? Because that was the free church. That was the free Nazarene assembly over there. And that's why the Romans were so intent on subjecting and putting down Britain. The Romans rarely meddled in their subjects' religious practices. Even the Jews were tolerated for a long, long time. Only two religions did the might of Rome try to eradicate. The Nazarene faith and its foster mother, Druidism. Because the Druids were just like the Ephraimite priests up in Tel Down and Bethel. They shouldn't have been doing what they were doing, and they breached from the Nazarene sect, and they got into their pagan practices, which was their roots, just as they had done before up in Bethel and Tel Dan. There's nothing new under the sun. That's why Ephraim, Ephraim got scattered into the nations. Now, nearly 80 years of war couldn't bring subjection. It's an old fight, really, between two brothers, because the British Isles were promoting the great faith, which had been determined as anathema to the great Caesars that would get cemented and solidified in 325 of the Roman common era with Roman papal bull and the birth of the Catholic Church. It was Cardinal Pole who remained the Pope and Church of Rome at the beginning of Queen Mary's reign. And it was Britain was the first country to be fully converted to the faith. Now, from the arrival of Brutus in about 1103 before the Common Era, Jeremiah was in Ireland in around 583 before the Common Era. And like I said, the Druids, which were the paganized Ephraimite Hebrew priests, these were the megalith builders of prehistory and the endless waves of Celts and Scythians that migrated to the British Isles. And we can, we can unearth a lot of uh, Britain's hist hidden history with the first followers and Yahushua himself. But a lot of our history has been invented. I was down at Stonehenge just a couple of years ago. You know, and when I was a little boy, um, it looked nothing like what it is now. I mean, you could just, li you could literally park your car and you could cross the road and you could walk and you'd be right there. Now it's this massive big um, tourist mecca no pun intended, where you have to get this bus and you have to pay all these fees and you've got to go into this tourist center 
And what people don't even realize is that those stones were all put there in the 50s. Okay, there was, some, there was a few stones lying around, I'll give you that. There were some few stones, but it didn't look like what it does today. It is a modern creation. It was created with cement and cranes in the 50s. And people are like, oh, this is, this is from the Druids. Oh, this is, oh, this is thousands of years. There were stones all over England. They brought them in on a truck. They dug holes. They put cement in the ground. They put cranes. And they put them in there in the 50s. Yes, there was a Stonehenge before, but it looks nothing like what it does today. And people don't even realize these stones are footed in rebar and cement. They were put there with cranes, people. This is the insane world that we live in because they are liars. Because they do not want you and I to discover the wonderful freedom that there is when we follow after Yahusha and we are focused on the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdoms of this earth. Every day we have to make a decision because every single day, Satan, Matthew 4, is taking us out, wants to take us out into the wilderness and show us all the kingdoms of the earth. He wants us to live by another bread. Whatever, whatever bread they're feeding today, what is the latest executive order? What is the, the late, what, you want to live by that kind of bread? I don't care. I don't follow that bread. I don't eat that bread. That's not of my diet. I follow a different different master and I eat of a different bread so I don't need to read that stuff it doesn't apply to me okay it may apply to you but I'm, I'm a free man and I am a living human being and we're all equal right but they've created this top-down system and history is a part of their fabrication is fabricated history it's absolutely fabulous sorry I went off on a Stonehenge trip there but, you know, I was there just recently, and it just astounded me what they've done to the place. Anyway, um, where was I? Oh, okay, I was talking about uh, the megalith builders. That's how I, that's how, I'm like, how did I get from there to here? It was the megalith builders of prehistory and the endless waves of Celts and Scythians that migrated to the British Isles. And that's when we can begin to unearth the hidden history in Britain. Now, the foundation of the Church of England, and I grew up in the Church of England, um, was built by the disciples of Mashiach. The acceptance of the true Nazarene faith by the British took place under good King Lucius in about 170 of the Common Era. So they were doing well before 325 of the Common Era, and the blooming Romans came over, and we got into all of that. Now, Gildas the Wise was the earliest Christian historian, 425 to 512 common era in that region, distinctly saying that the light of Christ shone here in Britain in the last year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Well, that would have been around 37 of the common era. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? 
And this was captured by historian E. Raymond and Reverend C.C. Dobson. So, there has been a diabolical conspiracy. Oh my goodness, really? Yes, a diabolical conspiracy of the unbelieving Yahudim, the unbelieving Jews that have followed Paul from city to city, from city to city, all the way through the book of Acts. These unbelieving Jews... Their co-conspirators, the Herodians and the Caesars, these were all the actors that were involved in Paul's imprisonment. And they are the actors that wanted to thwart the message and the liberation of the scattered tribes of Israel. That Israel was scattered into the nations, including Great Britain, including the Americas. It wasn't Christopher Colombo who came over here. No. I mean, yes, he did come over here, but that's another fabricated piece of history, okay? The First Nations people, commonly called the Native Americans, were in fact came over on a land bridge and were, of course, from the northern tribes of Israel, okay? I mean, there is so much absolute fabrication of history. Now, these co-conspirators, the Caesars, the Herodians, and the unrepentant Yahudim that plagued Rav Shaliakshaul from city to from city, from coast town to coast town, they wanted to centralize their religious world order in a religio-political state run through a mixture of Babylonian mystery occultism and Herodian political might backed by Roman capital. Do we live in such a world today? It's called globalism, my friends. It's called globalism, my friends. We are at the very apex of this dynasty. There is so much evidence to this. Additional evidence is found in the International Dictionary of the Christian Church. J.D. Douglas, the general editor, and even Zondrafan Publishing House, 1978, under the entry, Celtic Church, this is what it says, quote, the church which existed in parts of the British Isle, Isles before the mission of Augustine, that was 597 of the Common Era, and which maintained its independence for some time in competition with the Anglo-Roman Church. By the 4th century, it was sufficiently organized to send representatives to the Synod of Arles and the Council of Arminium. That was in 359 of the Common Era. Now, the Bible commentary, many of you, I, I like to read it. Matthew Henry's Bible commentary, you're a pastor, you like to read that too. Now, Matthew, Hem uh, Matthew Henry, of course, the famous Bible commentator, made reference to the rapid expansion of the gospel on his commentary on Matthew 24, verse 27, and this is what he said. It's fascinating. Quote, As the lightning comes out of the east, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. 
It spread far and wide that quickly and irresistibly. Like the lightning which comes, suppose, out of the east, Christ said to ascend from the east and lighteneth to the west. The gospel light rose with the sun and went with the same, so that the beams of it reached to the ends of the earth. Though it was fought against, it could never be cooped up in a desert, never be cooped up in a secret place as the seducers were. By this, according to Gamaliel's rule, proved itself to be of God, that it could not be overthrown. Then he refers to Acts verses 38 and 39. How soon did the gospel lightning reach this island of Great Britain? Tertullian, who wrote in the second century, takes notice of it. The fastness of Britain, though inaccessible to the Romans, were occupied by Jesus Christ. This was the Lord's doing. That's Matthew Henry's commentary. You don't want to read that. Inaccessible to Roman papal control. How inaccessible are you going to make yourself to the control from the top down right now that is overreaching into your life, your children's lives, your family's lives, telling you what to do with your body? How long? This is the time when great men and women are born. And this is the time when the weak in the knees crumble and are crushed. We live in an amazing time. I was born for such a time as this, and so were you. But we have to stand. We have to stand in the face of those that would try and cross the channel and subject us to tyranny and papal tradition. It's globalism, my friends. It's globalism. The believers, of course, exodus from Jerusalem happened in around 35 to 36 of the common era. Why? Because they were being persecuted. That's what you see in Acts, specifically in Acts chapter 1. And Paul was a part of this persecution, the main conspirator. So once he was set free of it, he wanted freedom and freedom indeed, so that he crossed over the English Channel to get away from the tyrants that were following him from city to city, from town to town. Even if he was shipwrecked, they were still there following upon his trail. Now, this period could have easily extended as far north as Britain, the exodus from Jerusalem, easily. A big part of the papal bull the papal deception, is that the land of Britain prior to the arrival of the Roman Catholic missionary Augustine in 597 of the Common Era was totally pagan. That's what the Romans would tell you. No, it wasn't. It was not totally pagan before the arrival of the Roman Catholic Church. That is fake history. That's their version. In his book, The Drama of the Lost Disciples, George F. Jowett quotes Eusebius of Caesarea in 265 to 340 of the Common Era. In his Demonstratio Evangelica, 
as saying this, quote, The apostles passed beyond the ocean to the isles called the Britannic Isles. That's on page 80. Now, Joet also gives the following quotes as additional evidence of the first century arrival and acceptance of the Bessorah gospel in Britain. He goes on to say this. The erudite Bishop Usher writes in Britannicarium Ecclesiaricum Antiquities, the British National Church was founded in 36 of the Common Era, 160 years before heathen Rome confessed Christianity. Christianity was privately confessed elsewhere but the first nation that proclaimed it as their religion and called it Nazarene after the name of Yahushua was, of course, Britain. Barat Anat. That's recorded Sabellus A.D. 250 on page 81. And in the third century, Origen writes this, The power of our Lord is with those who are in Britain, who are separated from our coast. And the well-known Saint Jerome in 37 of the Common Era wrote, From India to Britain, all nations resound with the death and resurrection of Christ. That's on page 81. Now many of you have heard of John Christendom the patriarch of Constantinople. Now, in 402 of the Common Era, he commented in his Soroma de Ullet this, quote, The British Isles, which are beyond the sea and which lay in the ocean, have received virtue of the word. Assemblies are found and altars erected. Though thou shouldest go to the ocean, to the British Isles, there thou shouldest hear all men everywhere discoursing matters out of the scriptures, with another voice indeed, but not another faith, with a different tongue, but the same judgment. That's from the drama of the lost disciples by George F. Jowett on page 81. Now his, in his concilia, Sir Henry Spellman writes this, we have abundant evidence that this Britain of ours received the faith and that from the disciples of Christ himself soon after the crucifixion. For further evidence, Joah adds the statement of um, Gildius in 520 of the Common Era from his De Exido Britannio, and he says this, We certainly know that Christ, the true Son, offered his light the knowledge of his precepts to our island in the last year of Tiberius Caesar. That's again on page 81. Pretty fascinating. So hopefully my wife's watching. Because i got more! Now, during the years 63 to 67 of the Common Era, between Rav Shaliak Shaul's two Roman imprisonments, he would have made his journey, of course, into Spain. That's recorded in the book of Acts. And into Barat Anat, the Phoenician name for the Tin Islands, Britain. 
Jowett records in his book a statement by the Greek theologian, historian, and bishop of Cyrus, Theodort, in 390 of the Common Era. This is what he says. St. Paul brought salvation to the isles in the ocean. What isles are there, you may ask? Of course, I've got no skin in the game here, okay? I still hold a British passport. Capellus, in his history of the apostolates, states this. I know scarcely of one author from the time of the fathers downward who does not maintain that St. Paul, after his liberation, preached in every country of the West, in Europe and Britain included. That's on page 196. You see, before William and Kate, before Harry and Meghan, the British royal family line was originated in the faith until they got taken over by the reptilian breed another seed now Shaul would have had contact with them when he was in his house arrest in Rome because he was visited by many affluent affluent people and he of course had full intention of spreading the Bessora over to the Tin Islands. Pudens, Linus, and Claudia were referred to in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 21. And in his book, St. Paul in Britain, R.W. Morgan, who lived from 1815 to 1889, refers to Linus as being the first bishop of Rome. Morgan quotes the church father Arrhenius, who was alive around 180 of the common era, saying, the apostles, having founded and built up the church at Rome, committed the ministry of its supervision to Linus. Now this Linus, mentioned by Rav Shaliach Shaul in his epistle to Timothy. This is how Paul got to Britain. This is how Paul got to Britain. Now, Theodotrus in 435 of the Common Era writes this, quote, Paul, liberated from his first captivity at Rome, of course, when he refers to being set free from the mouth of the lion, preached the gospel to the Britons and others in the West. Our fishermen and publicans not only persuaded the Romans and their tributaries to acknowledge the crucified and his laws, but the Britons also and the Cimbri, or the Cimmeri. That's pretty fascinating, isn't it? It's pretty fascinating. In, even, even when you're in England, you can see statutes and, and the language. You know, two of the most well-known statutes of the Apostle Paul are one is in Malta and the other is in London, England. The statue on the island of Malta is a memorial, of course, to the event that we just read about in Acts chapter 28. And the other famous memorial statue is located on the grounds of St. Paul's Cathedral, which we spoke about last week, is where Paul preached at Ludgate Hill. And it was called Londinian by the Romans. You could just sail straight down the tributary, straight down the Thames, and there you were. 
And the language which Paul would have preached would have been the common and well-known Greek or Hebrew, which was similar to the Cimmeric language of the Britons. It's reasonable, I think, to believe that Rav Shaliak Shaul did, in fact, make his journey into Spain and even into Gaul, modern-day France, and then cross over the English Channel, he and his companions, and they would have landed right where it says in the 29th chapter, right there in Sandwich, Kent, and then come on down to Ludgate Hill. So there you have it. That's quite a lot of history, and it's not something new. Back in the 16th, 17th, and 18th century, great Bible commentators were writing about this all the time. The reality of it is, is get out of the clutches of the top-down control and preach the gospel to those afar off. And right now, there is no better time to do it. People are sick and tired of this top-down control. They are sick and tired of the tyranny and control and being told how to live their lives. We have one life to live. And if I'm not damaging a person, and if I'm not damaging a property, then leave me the hell alone. Okay? I want to live a private life. You want to live a private life so we can go and spread the gospel to the nations because there's a whole bunch of people waking up to this absolute baloney tyranny that was birthed in papal Rome. It is tied in with a military, banking, religious system. And that is what's going on. Some of these countries, if you look at the countries outside of the top-down control of Europe and Britain, excuse me, Europe and the United States, and you look at the kind of medicines that they're giving people, it's phenomenal. Just go and look at what's happening in El Salvador. Just go and look at what's happening in India, in some states in India. Just look what's happening. These people are getting treated and helped. But you know what? There's too much top-down control in the Western world, and they're making a load of money and trying to keep their whole fiat system afloat. That's why they breached the English Channel and were set free to go and preach the gospel, whether it was Jeremiah in Ireland or the apostles in Britain. Now we need to go out into our areas where people are saying enough is enough. And a lot of people have made mistakes, and they realize it. They've made mistakes with trusting the government with their health. They've made the mistakes with trusting the government with their pocketbook. They've made the mistakes by paying to play or getting paid to play with the government. And many people are having second thoughts, and we are the people that work with the gospel maker himself, the one who sets you free from bondage, so that you can live as a man and woman breathing on the land, this land that was created by Yahweh. We are his free people, and we have sincere religious convictions that prohibit us from participating with Mystery Babylon. That's my message for today. Be set free from tyranny and live the faith that was once introduced to the saints so that we could introduce it to this last generation so that we would finish well 
And he would say, well done, my good and faithful servants. It's Yom Kippur tonight. It's a time to be reflective of our inner man and look at yourself. Look at yourself. Look at me. I'm the chiefest of sinners. As Paul said, but we have a mediator who is greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. Oh my goodness, without a mediator, where would we be? Where will we be? depend upon my, 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 my strength, on my reasoning, my logic? Oh, that fails me every time. I could argue, I can fight. I've been doing that whole, my whole life, it gets me nowhere. We just need to accept and be free. And that's the life for you and me. In this day and age, we must accept everything. That doesn't mean we acquiesce. It means that we live and are free. And I pray Yahweh's blessings upon you. Remember, at this point, it's appropriate for you to subscribe to the ministry. Please consider donating to the ministry. It really, really helps. And of course, thanks all of you that tune in, watch and support and participate in the feasts and Sabbaths of Yahuwah. Raise your families right. Live the way that Yahushua has called us all to live. And when you stumble and you fall, then you go before the Father and you plead the blood of the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. That's the plea that we use. And that's the plea that gives us the restitution, reconciliation, and redemption that is only available. All right, through the blood of the Lamb. Let me see, put my spectacles on. Spectacles, testicles, wallet, and what? Oh, I can't say that. Sorry, we're still live. But that's what you have to remember if you're going to go Catholico on us, right? All right, let's see. Okie dokie. If you want me to see what you have to say in the chat, then um, would you redline me? So I can see clearly, clearly. Let's see here. And I refresh this to live chat. And do pray for the saints because there are many suffering affliction. There have been many losses. Lots of people are passing away as new babies are being born. But do consider your brothers and sisters that are going through trials and tribulations. We really are in trying times. So we do pray for mercy and compassion. And remember, you don't know until you've walked in somebody's shoes. So be respectful of the choices that they make and the mistakes that they make. Help them, but don't be so quick to judge. Ah, Shabbat Fellowship. People are asking, why do we not hear about this chapter? What Bibles can we find this written in? My favorite Bible, of course, is the Restoration True Name Edition Scriptures. Um, I really like the third edition, and you will find it in there. Ah, Chris Della Rosa. May we have the priestly blessing before Yom Kippur starts. That is the most appropriate of appropriate ideas. So if you are available and you're not in your car, then please stand up with me. Stand up with me and we will do the, the priestly blessing before Yom Kippur. 
Yevarechacha Yahuwaha Vaishmarecha Yeyeh Yahuwaha Panavilecha Vichonecha Yisaha Yahuwaha Panavilecha Vaisim Lecha Lecha Shalom Baruch Hashem Yahuwah Hallelujah And in case you think I'm throwing gang signs That's the Shem That's the Shem Okay, so uh, the name, the Sheen So um, don't worry about Mr. Spock We know where he grabbed that from Because when Mr. Spock was a young boy, you see Of course, Leonard was a Jew He would peek once a year at Yom Kippur, he would peek and he would see the rabbi doing the blessing over the kahal at synagogue. And that's where he got the Mr. Spock from because he was at Yom Kippur service when he was a little boy. And he would open his eyes. And the tradition is you keep your eyes closed. Mine were wide open. So were many of yours. Much more truth. He did travel to Kentucky to escape the volcanic ash, and the imminent tidal wave. Much more truth says, Did Yahushua travel with Joseph of Arimathea between his childhood and adult ministry? Those are the missing years, my brother. He was in the Tin Islands, having a sandwich in Kent. It was a cheese and pickle sandwich, if anyone wants to know. Possibly Marmite has its origins with Yahusha. It's holy, not profane, some of you. All right, that was a joke in case somebody's looking. You never know, we're online. Really? Oh my goodness, I'm going to buy some, rub it all over my forehead, anoint myself. Sunset Stella, I like that. That's a great handle, name. What about Joseph bringing Mary's father named in her ge genealogy? Yeah, that's a mistranslation, and I could go through that. In fact, I've got a teaching on that where I go through the whole genealogy and break it down. I think I did it at a Sukkot several years ago, but if needed to, we can look up. Bruce Edmonds, Shabbat Shalom. Matthew, regarding Stonehenge, I've seen photos of its construction or fabrication. The rocks are man-made hollow steel. See... Exactly. Reinforced it and plastered over. All the world is a stage. It is a stage. Thank you, Bruce. I'm not alone. I am not alone. <laughs> oh, good. Now, Big Simple Ruffian for Yahusha says, I saw that hand sign on a tarot card. Well, what were you doing looking at tarot cards, man? What's wrong with you for crying out loud? Now, got nothing to do with me. Well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we should look into that. Not the tarot cards, but what Big Simple Ruffian is saying for Yahusha. I like your, I like your handle too. Big Simple Ruffian for Yahusha. Nice. What are my thoughts, Abby Rome Milled, on the Book of Jubilees? Scroll, scroll on our YouTube channel and you will find my thoughts on the book of Jubilees and you will love me or you'll hate me after you watch that video.
Mish Ella, please move to Tennessee. Nothing is out of question for me. Tennessee. Tennessee. You know, I have never been there. I'd love to come visit. I'd love to do maybe a Sukkot or a feast somewhere like that. Big simple ruffian for Yahushua. The Babylonian Pharisees use that hand sign too. It's got nothing to do with me. Well, okay. Thank you, big simple ruffian for Yahushua. Maybe I need to repent. Before Yom Kippur, I do not have that understanding right now. To him who knows it's sin, it is sin. Am I being convicted right now? This is a question. No, I'm not, not quite yet, but hey. Diesel, Grandma, Shabbat Shalom up there in snow home Oh, she's talking about Sukkot. Okay. Oh, much more truth. Junk in Jubilees. That kind of gives you, um, that kind of gives you, gives it away what I think, doesn't it? The name of that. All right. Let's see. What else we got? Emissary of Elohim. Shabbat Shalom. Leading to what became Sesta KV of 1666. Thank you. Yes, if you want to go down the wormhole, go down the wormhole with Emissary of Elohim of what Emissary of Elohim put up in the chat is a major linchpin in what we're talking about today. Thank you, Emissary. So true. Right, there you go. Matthew's harping on about the maritime rule, Emissary of Elohim. Yes, Shabbat Shalom, Louisiana Libby. She goes on to say that, yes, that may be so, but we are Joseph's flame and his esteem will burn brightly above us just like in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. Now, Daily Jerk Daily has got an emoji addiction, and it seems to be he does not approve what the government is doing. Looks like at the end of his emoji, the message is, get in a basket like Moshe Rabbeinu and have a mikvah. That's how I'm interpreting daily jerk, daily is emoji um, blast right there. Oh yeah, there you go. That is true. We have tried it, Chris. Chris De La Rosa says that Marmite is a good punishment when you're in an age of not being allowed to spank kids. Well, again, if you um, contracted with the government with your children, then maybe they would have something to say about your children. But you can always rescission those contracts. So anyway, yes, but yeah, we have tried Marmite. We, I've, we, we've tried Marmite on you, haven't we, Moshe, when you're a boy as a punishment? Did it work? Not really, did it? Did it? It did work? Yeah, my mother tried soap in my mouth. I mean, I remember her just grabbing me by the hair and just ramming a bar of soap in my mouth. We've done Tabasco with you. We've done, that's nothing. He loves, he's like his papa. He loves the hot sauce. Tabasco we've done with you, we've done um, Marmite, what else have we done? I think that's about it. We haven't done dirt or anything like that, have we? But, you know, some good nutrition. I, I've just been taking a bunch of dirt. The diet, diet earth, that's good. 
That's like swallowing razor blades. Man, that'll clean you right out. It's good stuff. Yeah, I drank that for like 10 days. Diatrometrous earth. Just, you know, make sure it's food grade, not chicken grade. All right, I'm off on, I'm, I'm rattling on again. Rattling on again. The Libby tube. See, Libby, what a dear sister. I've met this woman and I've spoke to her so many times on the phone and she always, again, brings it back to where, what's important. Luke chapter 3, verse 1. And in the 15th year of the, the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Yehuda and Herodias district ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip district ruler of Yetur. So again, this is the origin of when we see that there was, there was a census going on at the time. We had the Herodians, the Caesars, the unbelieving, unrepentant Yahudim and this top-down structure which, of course, Paul was birthed and a part of this. But Acts chapter 29 is the breach and break from it. And that's why I love this chapter, because it's, as they said, you know, it's about freedom, freedom from that top-down papal bull. All right, finishing up here, finishing up here. I think that's all I've got for you guys. It's Yom Kippur tonight. Isn't D-E fossil shells? Yes, I believe it is, right? Fossil shells. Is that all right? It's all right, isn't it? As long as it's not clam shells or something like that. Yeah. Jose, Shabbat Shalom. Down in Florida, Jose has got Sukkot going on in Florida, for those of you that are still down there on the flatlands. He says this, Now it makes sense why the British love, oh come on Jose, why the British love fish and chips, just as Yahushua ate with his disciples after catching the 153 fish at the shores of the Sea of Galilee. That's exactly, exactly what I'm thinking, Jose. Well, that's a good point, Emissary of Elohim. Maybe you've got to rethink the diatrometrous earth. Don't know if that's kosher. It's dirt, though, isn't it? But she could have a point. I'm not sure if it's a she or a he. I can't really see. It looks like a she, but you know. It is what it is. I did it. I already did it now. It's come and gone. Shabbat Shalom, one and all, a big shout out from Wales in the United Kingdom, from Colin Speak, an ex-Druid. No, I'm joking, I don't know if you really are, Colin, but I bet someone in your line is. Bunch of Vikings, good grief. What a blessing, what a blessing. Put some comments in the comments section, and remember, subscribe to the ministry, because then when we go live, you'll get a notification, a ping in your pocket. And give us some thumbs up. And if you're watching this after we're live, then leave an edifying comment in the comments section down below. Because it's nice to make connections and edify one another. That's what this ministry is all about. And you can always find people in your neck of the woods, even if you're in the land of the Druids. Even if you're coming out of Papal Ball, you can find people all around that are waking up to the nonsense that this world is trying to shove down your throat. And the only answer to it is the way, the truth, and the life. And the word of Yahweh is alive, and the truth is only found in the person 
of Yahusha HaMashiach. The rest of this nonsense, there is no truth. The left is not telling truth. The right isn't telling truth. It's all a bunch of propaganda. The only truth can be found in the scripture, and the truth is the person of Yahushua HaMashiach. So in this day and age, we've got to put out the clutter and cling to the way, the truth, and the life. Yahweh bless you.